Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, Jesus said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when you are in a moment of life, when you are facing a difficult struggle, when you're in the middle of overwhelming fear, and anxiety about any situation you may be facing, this is a very, very hard prayer to pray. Jesus, when he was in his darkest hour, the night before he was going to be crucified, Jesus knew exactly what he was facing. He knew the pain, he knew the suffering, he knew his purpose, he knew exactly what he was going to have to face the next day. And When he went to the garden with his disciples to pray in Luke chapter 22, he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. God, I don't want to go through what I'm about to go through. I don't want to be where I'm at. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthened him, and and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. He went back to prayer. And it said, the anxiety was so much that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, there's no struggle that you're facing today that Jesus doesn't get, that he doesn't understand. One of the greatest things about having a heavenly father who was willing to send his son, that Jesus came and lived and he faced everything that you and I face, yet The Bible says he was not without sin. Then Hebrew says that when we pray to him, we can pray to a God that understands how we feel. That Jesus knows what it feels like to be overwhelmed. And Jesus knows what it means to seek the will of God above his own. And today we're going to look at the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. And the reason why in your darkest hour you too can pray, God, your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. As we do that, when we think about worry, and I want to encourage you if you haven't been uh, following the series or if you've missed some Sundays uh, to go back and watch online. It's very important all these messages play together and I don't have time today to even recap all of them, Uh, but I want to encourage you to go back and watch them and how all these play together. And last week we started talking about this idea of fear and worry and anxiety and how the enemy uses that to really keep us in fear, to keep us frozen and, and stuck where, where God doesn't want us to be, where we can't pursue all that God has for us. And when we think about worry, and, and, and I think we have to ask the question, well, one, why do we worry so much? And, and what do we worry about? And when you really kind of boil it down, it's we worry about things that we're most devoted to, Right? We worry about the things we're most devoted to, we, what we care about the most, what we have devoted our lives to. For instance, 
I love you and I'm your pastor and man, I'll pray for you if you need that, but can I just confess something to you? I don't worry about your job, okay? I don't worry about it. I don't worry about your career. I don't worry about what's happening. Now, if you were to tell me, hey, man, I'm facing this transition. I don't know what to do. You almost say, well, man, I understand how that is. I'll be praying for you. But it's not going to keep me awake at night because it's not my job. I don't worry about your kids' grades. I don't. You, it's okay. you can laugh. It's supposed to be. I'm, I'm trying to, you know. I don't worry about your kids' grades. I don't worry about the school they're in and their teacher and the friends they're making at school. Now, if you came to me and said, oh, man, my kid's having a hard time at school. They're not really uh, engaging. They're not adjusting well. They're struggling with this. I'd say, man, I'm, I feel for you on that. I'll be praying for you on that. But, but I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. I'm not worried about your retirement. I don't care how the economy affects your 401k. I just don't think about it. I don't worry about it. Why? Because I'm not devoted to it. I'm not devoted to your kids like I am mine. I'm not devoted to, to your career like I am mine. You see, we, we worry about what we're most devoted to. Our worry is always tied to what we're most devoted to. So when it comes to this idea of worry and devotion, what if we shifted our devotion? What would happen to our worry? if we shifted our devotion. And that's exactly what Jesus challenges us with in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus starts out his teaching on worry with verse 24. And he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, be devoted to both God and money. Isn't it funny that when Jesus decided to teach on worry, that he launched it with the topic of money? That money, for, for a lot of us, can be very central to what we worry about, to our future, what we're concerned with. And, 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 and our greatest concern can be tied to running out of money. And Jesus goes on in another sermon for another day, but he, the reason we worry about it is because we make the assumption that we're going to run out of money before we run out of time. And that's just not always the case. That's not always true. That's a lesson for another day. But when Jesus is talking about money here, if you really break it down in the Greek, it, it's, it's possessions. He's talking about your stuff. It's the stuff you possess. He's saying you can't de be devoted to your stuff and to God that you have to put your devotion in one place because if you put your devotion in multiple places, you're going to be kind of torn. You, you, you can't do that. You'll serve one and despise the other. And we can tend to worry about money a lot. It can be central to our fears and our future. And today I just want to tell you this. Money is not the answer to your anxiety and worry. It's not. More money doesn't change your situation. You go, well, yeah, well, no, no, no. More money just makes you more of what you already are. And as the great philosopher Biggie Small said, more money, mo... You all listen to Biggie too, huh? Okay. It doesn't answer all these things that we're worried about. It doesn't change where our devotion is. And so we think that it can be the answer, but it's not. And Jesus moves on from there in verse 25, and he says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more 
than clothing. And today, Jesus was teaching to an audience that literally had to be concerned about what they were going to eat, where their next meal was coming from, and where they were going to get clothes for their kids, and where they're going to be sleeping that night. Like, like he was teaching these. And so our concerns and worries are different. But he, he says, why do you, we worry about everyday life? Why, why do you worry about your retirement? Why do you worry about your relationship status? If you're ever going to get married or not? Why do you worry about your kids so much? Why do you worry about your health? Why, why do you worry about your life so much? And his point isn't that all these things aren't important or there, there isn't uncertainty with these things sometimes in life, and they may not always work out the way we want them to, but he's saying is, is that we don't have to worry about them, that there is a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow without worrying all about it today. He says in life more than all that stuff, it's more than that, we have to believe that. We have to understand that, that life is more than that and get our focus off of that stuff. Get our devotion off of that stuff because that's what happens. We get hy- hyper-focused on the stuff and all the stuff that's going on and all these things that are going on. Jesus goes on in verse 26. He says, look at the birds. Now remember, Jesus was teaching outside. A group of people sitting outside and Jesus pauses in the midst of this talk on worry and about their stuff. He's, he's hitting real issues to them. I mean, it's striking a chord. Where, where are you, you going to eat? Where are you going to stay? Where are you going to get clothes? All these things. He, he's striking a chord with them, and then he pauses and says, look at the birds. He literally does. Imagine that. Look at the birds. They don't plant. These birds don't harvest. They don't store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable than they are? So Jesus says, when you begin to worry, the first thing you need to do is pull back. You need to step back and get some perspective on your situation, on what's happening. Jesus tells them to look at these birds. And you got to do this every time you sense fear, anxiety, and worry coming in. Scientifically, there's studies that have been done on, on the brain that say when you face this, that you, you have to train your brain to, to step back and to put some mental distance between you and your anxious thoughts. And these, th- this, this momentarily will like release you from the domination that, that your fear and anxiety can have. And what it does is it allows room for God then to come in to fill your mind and to to shift your attention to something else. And Jesus says, look at the birds. But I don't know about you. If I was those people and Jesus is telling me in the midst of my worry and fear, look at the birds, I'd be like, come on, Jesus. I ain't got time for the birds right now. Why are you talking about these birds? I got real issues. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. Look at the birds. Come on, Jesus. Right? And Jesus will let us get our ran out and, you know, he can handle it. Let us just be honest with them. And then, and then Jesus says, okay, are, are you finished now? Can I go on? So what about these birds? He says they don't plant. They don't, what he's saying is they don't reap. They don't have the principle that we have of being able to reap and, and sow in, into our life and to handle some parts of our life. And, you know, the birds don't worry about their kids. Right? Think about the bird's parenting strategy, right? They sit on top of an egg, it finally hatches, they feed the egg long enough, the bird long enough, and then what do they do? They push it out of the nest. 
get out, right? Hope you can fly, buddy. Oh, he didn't make it. Let's try the next one, right? Like that was the bird's parenting strategy. The birds don't have jobs. They don't have 401ks. What he's saying is, is the birds of the air, they don't even try. They don't even try to sow. They don't even try to handle things. They don't have any responsibilities that you and I do, and God still even takes care of them. And he says, and God, and doesn't God care more about you than he does the birds? You and I are human beings. You and I, out of all of God's creation, were created in his image, that he made us for relationship with him. No other creature has that. And he says, don't you think God cares more about you than he does a bird? The answer is yes, he does. I don't think you're getting it. Let's say this together. Say this with me. Say, I believe God loves me more than a bird. You believe that? So I'm telling you today that why you are able to face uncertainty today and not worry about it all at the same time, that you can do that, that you can face uncertainty and not be overcome by it because God cares about you, because God loves you. And listen, this isn't fatalism. We're not just tossing it up to fate, like, well, whatever, if whatever's going to happen is going to happen, it's already God's plan, it's his control, I'm just not going to do anything, because we cannot ignore the biblical principle of sowing and reaping, of reaping and sowing. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't escape that. There is a part that we have to own in this. You see, you have to control what you can control, and then trust God, which is faith, not fate, to control what you can't. So we shift our focus off of what we can't control because that's where it tends to go. We just get hyper-focused on what we can't control and our worry and our fear and all these things, and we bring it back to what we can control. If you weren't here last week, I shared with, with everyone just the struggle that I've been in with anxiety and over some fears of some health things and just unfounded, but just it, it began to, to dominate my life. And, and I'm still coming out of that season and was real honest with you. I appreciate all the, the feedback and how many people said they related to that. And, and that was my, my hope and prayer and sharing that with you last week. But when I was in the middle of, of just a bad place, I was praying all the time. I, I knew to pray. And I was praying for God to heal me. God, will you heal me of this? God, will you get rid of this? And one day as I was praying, God specifically spoke to me in just a, just a very real way, not an audible voice or anything, but I really heard the Lord say to me, Stop asking for me to heal you and start praying for me to change you. And I was like, I don't want to change. I just want to be healed. God, I just want you to heal me. And what God began to speak to me is he goes, you're, you're so worried about your life and what's going to happen. And you're all caught up in this anxiety and, and, and you worry about what will happen to your kids in the future if, if for some reason you're not there. He said, but you come home at night, and while you're here, you don't even engage with your kids. You're not even hanging with your kids the way I want you to. And you can control that. You can control now. You can control how you interact with your kids. You can control those things. So you're so focused on what you can't control, but you're not even taking care of the things that you can control. 
Kyle, put down your phone. Get off Facebook. Get off Instagram. Quit returning emails and play with your kids. That's what God said to me. So that's what we did. That's what I began to do. That's when we created the no phone zone. So when it's kid time, there's no phone. That's what I needed to do. You see, I can't control everything that happens to my health. I can't control some life-threatening disease that could be staring me down at some point. I can't control those things, but I can control how I eat now. I can control how I take care of myself and exercise and get the proper rest and nutrition. I didn't want to hear that. I, I didn't want God to tell me, you need to control what you can control and trust me with what you can't. That's exactly what God was speaking to me. So I began to make changes in that area of my life and getting more disciplined about taking care of the things I could can take, can take care of. See, I can't control the future of the economy, what's going to happen in my retirement, what's going to happen, you know, in, in the world and all these things. And, but I can biblically steward the resources I currently have by giving first, saving second, and living on the rest. That's what we teach here. And so when we go back to part one of the series, the things that we can control have to be controlled with the daily disciplines that we have. We set up guardrails and parameters to keep us from drifting and shifting our focus off of what we can't control and keeping it on what we can control. So we set up those habits and those disciplines to keep us so that we will do what we can do. So Jesus goes on in verse 27 and says, Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? He asks a question. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? What's the answer? No. It can't. It can't do anything. So Jesus is saying, don't spend your time anxious over all this stuff, not because it's not important or because you shouldn't care. He just says, don't waste your time on your future because there's nothing you can do about it. Don't waste your time. Focus on what you can control. Your worries can't add any time to your life. We'll do nothing for you. Verse 28 says, so why worry about your clothing? So he answers the question, no, the answer, so, so why are you worried about your clothes? Why are you worried about your kids? Why are you worried about this? Look at the lilies of the field. He dr- brings them back again, right? Perspective, he pulls them back again. He says, look at the flowers here, guys. Look at them. Look how they're growing. They don't make, work or make their clothing. They don't, they don't sow and reap. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Here he goes again. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why is your attention on all this stuff you can't control? We have to get our attention off of that and get our focus back on what Jesus is teaching here. And the point he's trying to drive home is this. That God loves me, He cares for me. God loves you, and He cares about you. Say it again and again. Get it through your mind today. He loves you, and He cares about you. 
He's involved in your life. He created you. You are the only you. You have a DNA that is specific to only you. You are created in his image. The Bible says that he laid a plan for you, that he knew you before you were even a thought in your parents' mind. And while you were being formed in your mother's womb, God was beginning to work his plan for your life and his purposes for your life. And it says that he is with you and he cares about you and he walks with you and you never face anything alone. But you have to believe that, that God cares for me, that God loves me. And when we believe that, this is what we do. You do all you can do today, and you trust God with what you can't do about tomorrow. Do all you can do today, and trust God with what you can't do about tomorrow. If I've done all I can do today, which I have some control over, and God can be trusted with tomorrow that I have no control over, Jesus goes, then why do you worry? Why are you so wrapped up in all this stuff? You see, the the way we defeat worry is by redirecting our focus off of our concerns and on to someone who can actually do something about them. It doesn't mean that you don't take responsibility for the things you're supposed to handle. It just means that you know when you stop and where God begins. So you control what you can control. We talked about this last week. Jesus says, cast all of your cares on me. And what it is, is I'm going to control what I can control. But God, when I get to the point that I can do no more, that's when I give it to you. I can't take it from here. God, I can't do anything from here. So God, I have to give that to you. But the reason we become overwhelmed with fear and worries, anxiety, is because when we reach that point, we keep carrying it. And God goes, you can't handle it. You can't handle the weight of the future. You can't. So quit trying to handle it. Quit trying to worry about it. Quit trying to control what you can't control. You can't control it. So you give it to me. And God says, I can handle it. I'm your dad. I'm strong. I can carry that weight. You can't carry it, but I can. And that's what we do. We cast our cares on Jesus. We trust him to take care of it. I don't worry about tomorrow, not because I know what's going to happen tomorrow, but because I'm trusting the only one that can do anything about tomorrow. Do you believe that God will take care of you? Do you believe that God is with you? If he's done what he's done for nature and you're far more valuable to him than they are, if we are made in his image, Can we trust that God has our future in mind and that we can trust him with it? See, the fear of tomorrow will steal the joy of today. That's what anxiety and fear and worry does. When you get to the point where you continue to carry what God didn't tell you to carry, it robs you of any joy in the present. You're overcome. Your your attention is is distracted. You're devoted to things that God never wants you to be devoted to, and it, it robs you. So we have to be careful not to drag the concerns of tomorrow into today. God will handle tomorrow. You handle today. That's all God asks of you. Jesus goes on, verse 31. He says, so don't worry about all these things, what we eat, what we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Another translation says of pagans, which just simply means those who don't believe in God. He says, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. God loves you, 
and he cares about you, and God knows exactly what you need, is what Jesus is saying. He loves you, he cares about you. His motives for you are good, and he knows exactly what you need. And Jesus says, the pagans, those who don't believe in God, those who haven't put their faith in God, they chase after all this stuff. Their devotion is to their stuff, their retirement, their kids, their their finances, their jobs. Their devotion is to all these things because they are trying to control everything because they think it all depends on them. They think it's only up to them. He says, but for those of us who have put their trust in God, it's so much different. We don't have to chase and run after these things and worry about all these things because At the end of it all, God loves you, he cares about you, and he already knows what you need. Do you believe that your heavenly father knows that you need all this stuff that you're worried about? Do you think that God can handle it? And if so, imagine if you lived your life as though you really believed that. Imagine how your life would change if you really put all of your trust and your concern about tomorrow on Jesus. I think, for me, it's, it's extremely comforting to know that God knows about my tomorrow, and He's already on it. That He knows what I need. He knows what this church needs. And He's already on it. But we got to believe that. And as we do, the bigger your faith gets, the smaller your worries will become. The more you shift your faith and your focus onto Jesus, the more those worries just don't seem to matter as much anymore. When you begin to see how big God really is, your worries don't seem so big. And if I am confident that God's in control, my worry will decrease as my faith increases. So Jesus is here teaching. And if you're like me, when I'm in the middle of my struggle, I go, okay, Jesus, I get it. Not supposed to worry, but I do. Still worrying. I know I'm not supposed to. Yeah, 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 the birds are pretty. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, those flowers, they look great. But I'm still worried. So is there something we can do about worry to stop worry rather than to stop worrying? Trying to stop worrying. Look, you can't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying, okay? Okay. You can't do it. So Jesus presents the solution. He says, okay, this is what you need to do. Matthew 6, 33. Instead of worrying about all that stuff, remember, I love you. I care about you. I got you. I know what you need. So instead of devoting your time, your energy, your mind to these things, here's what you need to do. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. Do the right things. Control what you can control today. And I will give you everything you need. Seek God first. Make him first in your life. Do the right thing. Do the best you can. And God will give you everything you need. So the solution to worry is shifting your devotion. You shift your devotion from all you're worried about what we can't control, onto what we can control. We do what we can, and then we trust God with what we can't, and we begin to seek God and His purpose first. 
Because what you have been seeking first is the wrong thing. So if we begin seeking God first, we won't worry because what you're seeking now leads you to worry. What you're devoted to now leads you to worry. And if you begin to seek God first, what it happens is, is, is it's the solution to transfer your worry. You get rid of your worry by transferring your devotion from your stuff onto God. And this is why. Because our emotion, our worry, follows our devotion. Your emotions always follow what you're devoted to. Remember when I said at the beginning that I don't really care about your kids? I mean, I do. But I'm not worried about your kids because I'm not devoted to your kids. God didn't give me your kids to raise. He gave me mine. So I worry about my kids because that's what I'm devoted to. I'm devoted to them so my emotion follows my devotion. And if your devotion is in the wrong place, then your emotion follows your devotion. So your devotion determines where your emotions are and your emotions determine what you worry about. And this is where Jesus gives his invitation for his followers. He says, here's, here's the bottom line. You have to surrender your entire life to me. Yes, your kids. Well, God, I, I, I worry about them. I don't know how I could never give them to me. Surrender everything to God. We trust God with every part of our life, and we begin to seek him first over our own agenda first. We seek him over ours. We put ourselves second. We put our worries second. And Jesus says, if you do that, if you seek me first, all that other stuff that you worry about, remember, I know what you need. If you put me first, if you begin to seek me first, I'll take care of all that stuff you worry about. But God can't take care of all that stuff you worry about because your devotion is to that stuff. So you have to step back away from all of it, get some perspective. Remember how big God is. Remember how much he loves you. Remember the plan he has for your life. If he cares about the birds, he most certainly cares for you. And if God can be trusted with your life, then trust him with your life. And as you begin to seek him first, as you begin to put him first, he takes care of the rest. Where you can get to that place where we pray the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in my life, in my world, in my family, with my kids, with my finances, with my career. God, your will be done. And this is the challenge that Jesus presents to you as his follower. To trust him, to seek him first, to put him first in your life. In order to accept this challenge, you got to go, God, you know how bad I need this. Remember, I know you know what I need. But God, your will be done. God, you know how worried I am, God, but your will be done. Where we get to that place where we can pray that prayer. God, your will be done. Where you say, God, I want your will in my life more than I want my way. And you go, well, Kyle, that's, that's a scary place to live. That I want God's will more than I want my way, my control, what I think is best. And 
That's scary. I don't know if I can do that. Okay, stick with the alternative. Keep worrying. Because that's the only choice you got. Because tomorrow is always going to be uncertain. It's always going to be uncertain. No matter how much you think you can do, no matter how much you think you can control, it's always out of your control. So you do. You control what you can control. You trust in that God loves you and he cares about you and he knows you and he, he senses the pain that you have. That's the amazing thing about the God that we put first is that Hebrews tells us that he faced all the same temptations that you and I do, that he gets it, he understands it. He understands exactly what you're feeling. And he reassures us that he's with us, that he doesn't leave us, that he always will walk with us. When you make this transfer in your life, suddenly you begin to experience this peace that God says will pass all understanding. And you begin to experience peace not because your circumstances have changed necessarily, but because God is changing you. Because God's changing your heart. God's changing where your faith has been, where your hope has been. And as we begin to move that to Him, we begin to seek Him first. And whenever I'm tempted to drag tomorrow into today, it should remind me, seek God first. One of the ways I've been doing that is when I get worried, when I sense anxiety, I begin to pray for the people who have told me that they are suffering with the same thing I am. I just begin to pray for them. Not for me, for them. God, be with him. Lord, be with her. God, I pray that you would help them. What am I doing in that? I'm putting my agenda second, putting God's first. I begin to put God first in those areas of my life. When I'm tempted to worry, it prompts me to pray. God, I seek you. God, I seek your will. God, I want you to move in my life. God, I want you to use this to change me. I know you can. God, it's not just about me. God, it's about what you want to do through me. I begin to pray. I begin to worship. I begin to read his word. I seek him first. I declare his truth with those spiritual truth statements that every day I proclaim who I am in God and what he's done for me and the truth of his word in my life. And I begin to seek him first. I put him first. And as I do, it's It's amazing how I can get peace, not because everything has all of a sudden changed, but because God is with me, and I sense his presence with me. Not Again, peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God, no matter the conflict, that he is with you. And that is why you can pray that prayer, God, your will be done, because no matter what his will is, because no matter what happens, your heavenly Father loves you, He cares about you. He knows you, and he's with you. He's with you. He's with you today. He'll be waiting on you tomorrow. He is with you. And you have to believe that. The band's coming. We're closing out. I shared last week again kind of the struggle I was in, and we had the opportunity uh, last fall. My, my uncle lives down in Orlando, and his wife works at Disney World, and so she's able to hook us up. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a tough thing, right? So we get extremely discounted rate to be able to go there, and so we took the kids there, and we, it was our second year that we did that, and I was in the middle of, of my battle then, and still trying to figure out uh, just 
how to deal with it and how to work through it. And so, uh, man, I was just having a rough day that day. And so we went to a park in the morning and we came back to our room and we were sitting there in the room and I was just, I guess, struggling, you know, and I think Riley could sense that something wasn't right. And I was just battling it. And I've always called Riley my little angel. And on this day, she really was. Riley had just started kindergarten. She just started last August. So we're, she's been in school not even two months yet, month and a half. She's learning to read and write, you know, and practicing all the time. And so she was over on a table in the room, and she was just doodling on paper like she always does. And writes whatever, draws whatever, colors whatever. And she always brings it up to me and will say, Daddy, here, I made this for you. And I go, oh, it's awesome, Riley. You're so talented. What is that thing? What is it? Yeah, baby. That's ex- I knew that that's what that was. That looks so good. So I'd always do that. And she says, it's for you to keep, Dad. You know, take this, put it on the fridge, do whatever. You know, your kids do the same thing. But this day was different. I was struggling. I was in a bad spot. I was in a dark place. And Riley had been doodling. And she comes up. And she hands me this note. She says, no fear, anger. I think she was misinterpreting my anxiety as anger, just the way it made me look, made me feel. And she says, no fear, anger. God is with you. And in that moment, my little angel became God's angel to me. And I needed that simple reminder of the truth because that's not what I felt. I felt like God was far from me. I felt like he abandoned me. And Riley says, I didn't even know if she could write. I don't even know if she knew. I didn't even know if she could write that word. I didn't even know if she knew what it meant. But she says, Daddy, God's with you. And I grabbed that note and just quietly I said thank you Riley and I just began to thank God that he was with me and that no matter what I'm going through no matter how dark it seems that his promise to me and to you this morning is that he is with you some of you God sent that angel to me and he sent it to you today I've held on to that note in my office and every day it reminds me God's with me today you need to know that God is with you he will never leave you he will never forsake you he cares about you, he loves you he is worthy of your trust you can trust him he's got it just put your faith in him today would you stand, we're going to close out and sing together and I just want to encourage you begin to sing this with the band today even though you don't feel it declare the truth of God that he is with you that he is near to you that you can trust in him that he's worthy of your trust that you don't have to fear because he's with you let's declare this truth to the Lord this morning